0: Make sure that you're earning while you're learning. Because if not, you're going to split the two. You're going to learn for a year and then start earning. Or learn for two years and then start earning. No. Learn and earn at the same time.
1: Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com, and in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the best ever conference in keystone colorado and we will be talking more about this on future episodes but for now go check out bec20.com And that affiliate page, you can earn 15% as an affiliate. And we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Felipe Mejia, how you doing, Felipe? I'm good, brother. How you doing? I'm great and looking forward to our conversation. So a little bit about Felipe. He's an entrepreneur, real estate investor, and small business owner. He scaled from a $3,000 mobile home to owning 10 units based in Nashville, Tennessee. So with that being said, Felipe, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, currently right now we run about 14 doors. We just sold our 16-year apartment complex. I own a small moving company here in Nashville. Aside from real estate, I am a father.
1: I have a young son and I am married here in Nashville, Tennessee, man. That's about it. Okay. Well, you said you just sold a six-unit building?
0: Yeah, man. We just sold a six-unit apartment complex about an hour outside of Nashville, Tennessee, in a little town called Cookville,
1: Tennessee. Cool. And you own that property and then you decide to sell it? Yeah, I decided that it was time to, to get out. We kind of pumped that up as expensive
0: as we could. We added as much added value as I think we could. I couldn't see any way other to squeeze out anything else. And I was like, all right, it's time to sell it. I think we're at a good place in the market. I usually actually don't sell me and my properties, but this is just way too good. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it.
1: And in addition to the six unit you sold, you also have 10 units that you own, correct? Correct. And natural all, single families. Okay, cool. So tell us about the six unit. What'd you buy it for? How long ago? What was the business plan?
0: Sure. So that was purchased about two years ago. I think the purchase price was 120. We ended up selling for 260. And the main reason we got it was okay, it's just good cash flow. It's doing about a thousand dollars a month. It's next to the college. The university was doing really, really well. So we we cash flowed on that for about a year and a half, almost two. After we reached 100,000 in equity in a year and a half, we were like, okay, are we gonna burn? Are we gonna HELOC? Are we gonna what's the game plan with it? And we decided that that was, believe it or not, the property that was doing the least amount of money and causing the most amount of headache for us. So we said, you know what, let's sell it. Let's reinvest that money here in Nashville and kind of provide more housing here. We saw the market was growing faster in Nashville than it was in
1: Cookville. So we decided to bring our money home. How far away is it from where you live? It's about an hour out. It's where I went to college. Okay, cool. And what college is that? Tennessee Tech University. (laughs) You sound very proud of that. I love it.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm the first to go to college in my family. As a first-generation college student, I'm really proud that I was able to go there. And I love that I have that degree. You know, it's funny, though. I don't use that degree as I thought I would. I made a video recently on our Instagram where I show my degree and I show the books that I've read on real estate and how my real estate books have brought me way more income than my college
1: degree ever will. Right. If you had to pinpoint a couple benefits of doing the college experience that have gotten you to this point what would those one or two benefits be
0: i think that college more than anything taught me how to and i know this is going to sound dumb but how to read and study instead of just taking a test if you will college allowed me to learn what i'm going to get out of the book versus just trying to okay i know this is going to be a question on the test in college i realized a passion for reading and
1: i kind of turned that passion into financial gain as well (laughs) And let's talk about that six unit. What did you do to add the value? Sure. So that
0: unit, luckily, since it was in a city that I knew, I knew what the college students were looking for. Most college students like to live with their friends in two bedroom, one bath apartments. The one bath, one bedroom apartments weren't doing well. So in the six unit complex that I had, two of the units downstairs were one bedroom, one bath, and we would rent them out to college students. And in the living room, they would set up like another room. So we kind of allowed that to be a a way to have more tenants come in as well as making it more accessible to the college as in we had friends that opened up coffee shops close to there and then we partnered with them by giving discounts at our place more college students were like oh we can just go down to the coffee shop we offered the wi-fi obviously you have to understand that Cookville is a really small town no one ever leaves so we had to make it a very comfortable home living place where we knew that college students didn't go home for the summer. They didn't go home on the weekends. I mean, this is a place where you came, you stayed all four years and then left. Mm -hmm. So we just added as much value as a comfortable living area for our college students, you know, really liked it. liked the space. One of the other reasons we decided to sell it was there was a huge apartment complex that came to the town and they raised rent by a hundred dollars a unit overnight. It was ridiculous and everyone was moving and rents were going up at most of the units around just because that added value came in. And I said, I'm not going to want to compete with them at a later date. And as of now, we've been able to raise the rent to keep up with that.
1: Mm -hmm. So the large apartment community that was brand new was actually a benefit initially to you. Right. But I could see
0: that maybe in the near future, it might hold us back. We might have to compete in pricing going forward. So I don't know that I would have to actually drop to my prices, but I knew that they did market research as in there wasn't enough apartment complexes. There wasn't enough living spaces, so they knew that there was tons of people renting. So that's why they brought 100 units to little bitty town like Footville, Tennessee. So I rode the wave up, but I knew that eventually I would have to compete with them. So I said, okay, I rode it up. My rents are up as high as I can within competition with them, about $25 off. But I know that their units are brand new. They have a pool. I'm never going to compete with that. So I said, let me sell at the tippy top that I can. And that was another reason we did
1: It sounds like if I heard you correctly, the two things that you did was one, you just allowed another person to live in the living room, which allowed you to increase rent. Did I hear that correctly?
0: Yeah. A lot of the communities around, if it was a one bedroom, they would only allow two people in the apartment on the lease or et cetera. But for us, we would allow two people per room, including the living room. So they would be able to have four college students and then we would charge per college student. If you've heard any of the interviews that I've done, you know that I focus a lot on per bedroom, not necessarily per house. So I'll give you a quick example. One of the houses that we do in Nashville, for instance, we have a three-bedroom, one-bath house that we're adding three bedrooms downstairs, which literally doubles my rent and cash flow. And that's kind of our niche in Nashville. So we've learned a little bit of that at the six unit apartment complex. And that's one another reason we decided to come back to Nashville, because I could add more rooms in a single-family home with a two-car garage versus an apartment. Kind of like I said, I kind of capped out on the apartment complex.
1: Okay. And were there any yeah. local ordinances you had to double-check before saying, yeah, more people can live here and we'll just put them in the living room?
0: Sure. So it was a little easier because it was a college town. So when we went to the fire marshals, is it okay if we had three or four people living in the space area? And the fire marshals just came out and as long as all, everything was up to code, they were fine. All the college students were doing it at all the other houses as well. They would have to like, tear down every single house in the local area if they were going to deny me.
1: So that was one component of the value-add approach. And then you said the second one, Correct. I think was just getting in with local businesses and offering discounts to your residence for the local businesses did i hear that
0: right so we would market it as super close to the local coffee shop that would give our tenants discounts to come in half price off coffee on the weekends and obviously free wi-fi but a lot of the times our college students didn't want to stay on campus to do stuff, so they would go to the local coffee shop they were really booming in cookville And we were able to offer some pretty good discounts for them to stay locally close to our apartment complex, which let's say we lost a tenant for whatever reason. It was always at the coffee shop where we would get our next tenant because they would all intermingle. So when people were purchasing the property, they're like, well, how do you get your tenants right? That's always the first question. I'm like, you see that coffee shop walking down the road?
1: Boom. So how does that work with the discounts? Did you approach the coffee shop owner and talk to him or her about it?
0: Right. So we went down to the coffee shop and let them know that we were the new owners of this property and we wanted to build a relationship with them and how could we add value to them? And obviously they just, they're selling coffee. They want to sling coffee left and right. And we told them, well, how about if we put your brochure in every one of our welcome packets into our units and offer whatever discount you want, whether it's five coffees and one free or 15% off, however you want to do that. And we'll tell our tenants in their welcome packet about your location down the road and how you're college kid friendly to the tech students. If you bring your tech ID get certain discounts, a lot of our college students like that because the complexes that were in Cookville now had been there forever and it was just like, oh, this is your rent and this is what you got to pay and they were super stringent with the students and they saw them as three or four years and that was it, they're leaving, right? So for us, they found more comfort in us that we were good with the locals. They saw that maybe we didn't live in Cookville. But we were pretty local. Another college student that used to live there, they were like, Oh, you went to tech? And we were able to build relationships with the local little communities around there, whether it be coffee shops or breakfast areas. And we would just offer that in our welcome packet.
1: So coffee shop was one of them. And then how many other there was, businesses did you do that yeah, with?
0: There was those three. There was Poets Coffee Shop, there was Grandma's Pancake, and then there was a Mexican restaurant that we used to go to And we offered their extremely large burrito at a discounted rate for the college students that were living in our apartment complex, our six-unit.
1: And were any of those discounts available to other people publicly?
0: No. They offered tech discounts on, like, Sunday nights or something. Any college student could come in. But our little six-unit apartment complex had a nicer discount, especially at the coffee shop. Grandma's Breakfast would do some pretty good discounts on their pancakes, the people that lived in our apartment complex. And then the Mexican restaurant loved to have our people over with the Mexican food. Usually Wednesday and Thursday night was like tech nights, but our guys could come in and get that discount at any time. And they knew our tenants because most of them came in and were college, they would let them know, hey, we're living off the Street with Felipe. And they would say, oh, absolutely. They would bring in their little pamphlet from their welcome packet and that would start their relationship. After that, it was really for the restaurant to provide the great service, but we would definitely make that connection. And if college students were coming in from out of town, it automatically introduced them to the best coffee shop, to the best Mexican restaurant there, and where to get breakfast.
1: And they'd show proof of residency by giving them the welcome packet?
0: There was a card in the welcome packet that said okay. who they were, and they would come into the restaurant. Yeah, Imagine, like, had an Airbnb. There's, like, a list of local restaurants. That's kind of what we offered for the people that were coming in.
1: Right. But how would the restaurant know that they live at your house?
0: In the welcome packet, we had a card that kind of specified that per each restaurant, and the restaurant would give to us to give to them.
1: Okay, cool. So they had some special card that the restaurant or Grandma's Pancakes or the coffee shop, each of those locations had a special card that they gave that to you, and then you put that in the welcome packet, and then the resident then showed that to the business whenever they arrived. Right, exactly, yeah. Kind of like when you go to Jamba Juice or something, you get the little punch card, Mm -hmm. kind of the same concept. And each of those three places of business had those cards already? Right.
0: It wasn't like something super fancy or super laminated. It was something that if I'm not mistaken, they just printed out. And they gave to us to put in our little welcome packet as people went in and out of the unit or we had to clip cool. it or we got new texts or whatever the case is.
1: So you bought it for 20000 a door. You sold it for $43,000 a door. Nice work right. on that one. And that was over a two-year span anything the, else
0: it was that, the that came in that helped us that much
1: yeah we know it anything else that you did to add value or those the three components you got to add more people in the rooms putting two people in the living rooms you have relationships with local businesses so you constantly have leads coming in and you're building a sense of community within the resident base and you had a brand new apartment community that jacked up the rents in your area so rising tides lift all boats anything else other than those three things
0: man i think that was really it we hadn't even gotten to doing an asphalt driveway or selling certain parking spaces we hadn't even got to that we were going to do before we saw when that apartment complex came in we rose their tide up with rents and then we knew that eventually, or coming soon in the next six months, we were going to have to compete with those. And then that's what we didn't want to do. We saw 100000 in, 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 in equity in a year and a half, close to two. And we were like, man, let's just pull the trigger on it and move our money closer to home. And, and I'm pretty bringing the same cash flow almost to the single family in Nashville.
1: Help me understand your thought yeah. process for why you'd have to compete with a complex in the future. Because typically, when new construction takes place, They do rent concessions in order to get through the lease-up period. Once they get out of their construction loan, then they put on long-term debt. And then that's where the lease-ups and the concessions that they did initially then go to the wayside and they start increasing the rent significantly. Right.
0: And this is what I knew being from that college town. I knew that rents would go up percentage-wise or just based on what was around, what was growing. I saw the city was growing. And I saw that I would have to continue to pump money into that property to be able to keep up with what was coming in. You have to understand in Cookville, it's a little city, potent town, there's farms everywhere. And all of a sudden, this apartment complex that comes in with the nicest, newest pool with the best Wi-Fi right beside the fairground, if you could see it, it looks like it doesn't belong there. It's so funny. It's such a nice apartment complex. I knew that rent was going to keep going up for them and people were going to continue to pay. But they were going to be leaving the other apartment complex. I mean, this was way advanced compared to any of the other apartment complexes there, including my six units. I honestly think that they were either going to buy out the other apartment complexes, one, this is my theory. They were either going to try to buy them out or squeeze them out based on rent, where you had to keep pumping money into your apartment complex to make it that much nicer to keep up with the rent, or you were going to have to stay stagnant. You weren't going to be able to raise your rent. Well, I guess you could, but you weren't going to be able to force your rents up by just adding value. You were going to have to compete with that next apartment complex. I would hear it on and on and on. Well, we got a quote from them for this much and you're charging only $50 less. I would have thought about moving to a nicer apartment complex if that was the difference, and I know that they were going to keep on raising it and they were going to keep raising the bar. Is that a negative thing? No. But for me, I saw a hundred thousand in equity that I could bring closer to home, that I could 1031 into a couple single families and add value there easier and quicker than I would had to in Cookville.
1: Let's talk about the 1031 process. What are a couple things you learned? Sure. So the 1031 process
0: was stressful, <laughs> something that I probably wouldn't advise anybody newer to do, or I would definitely hire a coach or mentor to through that process. So luckily my sister works at a law firm where one of the lawyers also does closings. He has a branch of foundation title. He was able to kind of walk you through that process, but it's, it, It's not easy in that you have to claim the property and you have to do your due diligence quick. And if you don't know that process already, you really need to have someone walk you through it. One of the things that I learned right away was it helps to have processes already in place to make that go smoother. For example, sure. For me, when I was buying a single family home, luckily I knew that I was going to buy in a small sub city inside of Nashville called Antioch, Tennessee. And I knew that most of those houses would have a three bedroom, one bath up top and a two car garage in the bottom. I don't know one person that has a three bedroom house that's only, I don't know, 1,600 square feet that needs two car garage. So I was able to quickly claim the properties that I wanted to purchase because I knew that in Antioch, I would be able to add two bedrooms to a single family house downstairs because 80% of the properties were like that. So I didn't have to wait and say, okay, well. I'm going to go look at that property and spend more time analyzing the property. I was able to take 50% out of my analyzing of the property out because I already knew that area. And if I only had 30 or 45 days to claim one of the properties in the 1031, that would have took time away from that where I could have done other due diligence. I was able to do two single families out of that one. Yeah, I think it was two single families.
1: And so I'm tracking correctly. It was a two-car garage and you converted one side of that two-car garage into, I thought I heard you say, three bedrooms downstairs?
0: Right. So what we do is we convert the full two-car garage into three bedrooms because also in the downstairs, there was always loft area. Imagine a bonus room on top of a garage, Uh but this was on the downstairs of the house. So the houses in Antioch, 80% of them are built this way. They have three bedrooms and one bath upstairs. Mm -hmm. Downstairs, they have a small loft area that's about 15 by 20 and then a two car garage. So I blow out the middle wall, and then I create three bedrooms, a small kitchen area, and a shared bathroom. And then what I do is I rent out each room individually to the construction workers in Nashville because of the boom we're having in construction.
1: Very cool. Let's talk about numbers. Just price going into it is, let's use a specific example. One of the two was okay. what? how much?
0: Sure. So let's just go with a recent property. It was purchased priced at 180
1: Purchase price 180 and that gets you three-bedroom house, two upstairs with a two-car garage downstairs with a little loft area, correct? That's correct. Yep. All right. So 180 is what you buy it for. How much does it cost to do the conversion of the two-car garage into three bedrooms, a little kitchen, and a bathroom?
0: Sure. So this is going to blow your mind, and I want your listeners to get this. This is where I used what I thought was my weakness as my strength. I only knew construction families growing up. So I didn't know your rich uncle banker or your friend that uh, has mom works at the bank to get loans, or I didn't have those connections. I wasn't able to borrow money as easily. I think as maybe other people, I don't know. But what I did know is I wasn't going to use that as a crutch. I was going to find a way to use that and leverage it as value. So knowing only the construction workers has allowed me to purchase labor at what I know their contractors pay them. So this is gonna blow your mind. I can build three bedrooms, a small kitchen and a bathroom for right under $8,000. That's electrical, plumbing, construction work, drywall, everything. That's about $8,000 and then maybe Three thousand or two thousand in material. I'm always under ten thousand. by a long. That is good, (laughs) and that is only because I know those people and their friends and family as well. Just people that I would grow up on. So, like while I was in college, I worked on the construction site, picking up sticks, cleaning construction sites because I didn't have a specialty. I didn't know how to frame or hang drywall or do plumbing. But I tell you what, I knew every single gentleman on there and I would sit there under the sun and have lunch with them during some of the days while I was just cleaning up after them. That's what I knew how to do. Like I can sweep really well. And even to this day, when they're building my downstairs, you ask any of my tenants, I go in and I'm sweeping. My construction site's very clean because that's all I know how to do, as funny as that sounds. But I know the framer and I know that the framer makes two to $300 a day. So I can pay him and he'll frame me three rooms in one or two days. That's 500 bucks, right? I know the plumber who's going to charge me a thousand bucks and he's going to build me a whole bathroom. He's going to drop in piping. He's going to drop in everything. And a lot of times they bring in the material from their job site and give it to me half price because the owner there's throwing half this stuff away anyways. I remember I used to throw it away. (laughs) All the two by fours that go in. I'm not kidding. This blows my mind. All the two by fours, you're throwing this away. Do you mind if I take it with me? Absolutely. So I just took it with me and there's my material. And it goes on and on and on. Electricians, drywall guys. It's just, I know what their day rate is and I'll offer them that plus a hundred bucks or plus 50 bucks and they love to work.
1: So how much was it bringing in before the renovation and how much does it bring in after the renovation?
0: So if the purchase price is 180, I am typically going to rent each room for probably about 450 bucks. So pre-renovation, you're looking at 1350. If I'm doing 450, so that usually covers all my expenses on the property completely. Let's say that I add three rooms downstairs. So now you have six rooms renting at four fifty. That's twenty seven hundred
1: dollars. That's some good math, especially when you can recoup that investment of ten thousand so quickly. Yeah, in the first year I've made all my money back yeah. when it comes to any of that. Yep. Well, taking a step back, what's your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Learn while you earn. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people want to learn and then start earning. And I say, look, take the plunge, buy your first rental property, just do it and learn as you're earning. One of the advice that someone once gave me was if you buy a rental property and you make $200 a month on it, you're doing great because you're also getting equity. You're also getting tax incentives. There's a lot there than just the $200 a month plus the loan pay down. So I always tell anybody that I coach or that I mentor, I say, look, Make sure that you're earning while you're learning, because if not, you're gonna split the two, you're gonna learn for a year and then start earning, or learn for two years and then start earning. No, learn and earn at the same time.
1: We're gonna do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast, hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer, interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com. All right, Felipe, best ever book you've recently read. Life and error. What's a mistake you made on a transaction?
0: Not reading the fine print, read it. The dirt is in the detail.
1: What fine print burned you?
0: <laughs> Giving up equity where I knew that I probably should have waited on it. I gave up 10% on a deal because she gave me an option of where I wanted to pay upfront, give 10% at the end of the deal, or just pay a fine for letting me borrow the money. And I decided to do 10% and I was like, okay, so I'll just pay 10% that's fine. And then we ended up selling the property uh, and having to completely have fork over 10%. That one still hurts.
1: What's a deal you've lost money on? What's a deal that I've lost money on? Yeah.
0: No real estate deal. Real estate's really forgiving. Anything I've lost money on has been a purchase of a car. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm very picky on my real estate. I'm stingy, whatever you want to
1: call it, but I try not to make a mistake.
0: The biggest mistake i made, like I said, was buying my, my sports car when I was 18.
1: Best ever way you like to give back to the community?
0: Sure. So I volunteer at my church in my youth group here in Smyrna, Tennessee, and I do small time coaching and mentoring on my Instagram as much as I can.
1: And how can the best of your listeners learn more about what you're doing? Absolutely.
0: One team underscore Felipe on Instagram. That's one, the number team underscore Felipe, F-E-L-I-P-E on Instagram.
1: Really enjoyed our conversation, learning about how you're adding value by adding bedrooms and by building relationships with people to offer them an opportunity to make more money than they typically make and get you a really good deal as well on that with the construction. And we talked about the three things that influenced increase in value from your six unit, the adding more attention approach, two was having discounts to local places and partnering up with them. You also got a lot of leads from there. And then three was just luck, the apartment complex being new, but still, you put yourself in a position to be lucky by purchasing the that's property. The key, and that's the key, exactly. And that's what a lot of people who are on the sidelines they don't necessarily understand as much. But when we put ourselves in a position to be lucky and we're doing the right things, then good things tend to happen. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks, Joe. It was a pleasure to be on. You're amazing. Continue to do what you're doing.
1: Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com.